So here we are. School is finally over. And so, by the way, is the Easter season. Today is Pentecost, which means tomorrow is the beginning of ordinary time, the longest season of the church year. It's going to take us all the way up to Advent. The fourth Sunday before Christmas will be in ordinary time. You'll see a lot of green hanging out in the sanctuary to remind us. And it's not that it's just ordinary, right? We said this for ordinary because we number the weeks. So it's ordinal as in numbers. It's ordinary. It's actually extraordinary time because in the church life, ordinary time, the summer is when we learn and remember what it means to be a disciple. So between Advent and the birth of Christ to his ascension, we're learning what Christ's life was like. And then after Pentecost and the Spirit comes to us, we're remembering what our life in Christ is meant to be like, what it means to be a disciple. If you didn't know, Pentecost is actually the Greek name for a Jewish holiday of Shavuot. And Shavuot was a harvest festival. It is a festival, harvest festival still today. And today, um, Jews the world over also celebrate the receiving of the Torah on this day. But in Jesus' time, it was one of three pilgrimage festivals, which meant that Jews from all over, speaking all different languages, would travel to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And it's called Pentecost in Greek because Pentecost means 50th. 50th. So Pentecost occurs 50 days after Passover, or for Christians, Easter. It's also 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, and so the disciples, 120 of them were told, that's all that was left of the disciples, 120 were waiting in a room in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, just as Jesus promised. Many of you know this story, right? The Holy Spirit descended in a rush of wind and tongues of fire, and those 120 disciples, they were filled with the Spirit, and the church of Jesus Christ was born that day, and they immediately got to work making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached the first ever Christian sermon. He preached the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time. And all those Jews from all over heard him speaking in their own languages. And over 3,000 Jews came to Christ and were baptized. I've read this story every Pentecost for the past 13 years. So I'm not going to read it today. (laughs) This year, I'm going to read a different story of a different sort of Pentecost, but it it might sound familiar. Peter is preaching again, only this time the Spirit interrupts him, stops him mid-preach. I know some of you might on a Sunday wish that would happen to me as well, but Peter is preaching, the Spirit interrupts him, and this happens. It's Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking, The Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And the answer is what? 
No, no one can. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they, the Gentiles, invited him to stay for several days. And he did. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, come upon us today that we might feel your spirit, that we might be given new strength to speak new words, words of life, of love, of hope to ourselves and to those around us. Lord, give us a word, each of us, that we might hear from you, feel your presence, be renewed by your spirit. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So did that story kind of sound familiar? Like for me, it, it sounds like the Pentecost story. And actually, it's so familiar that this moment is sometimes referred to as a second Pentecost. A second Pentecost, the Pentecost of the Gentiles, not because it happens on the day of Pentecost, but rather that what happens is like what happened on Pentecost. Peter preaches, and the Holy Spirit does its holy business, changing hearts and minds and bringing people to Jesus. And in the end, disciples are made, people are baptized, just as Jesus commissioned his disciples to do. But there's a few key differences between this Holy Spirit moment and the, what happened at Pentecost. First, it doesn't happen on Pentecost, right? Or Shavuot, for that matter. And second, the Holy Spirit interrupts Peter. That didn't happen the last time either. Third, this one is crazy. The Holy Spirit came upon Peter's listeners before they were baptized, before. And that's crazy. That the disciples hadn't seen that before. It had always been you get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then you get baptized in the Spirit. Like, has anyone ever heard some, has anyone ever asked you, have you been, have you received a second baptism yet? That's a thing in some circles in Christianity, the baptism by water and the baptism by the Holy Spirit. And so in some circles in Christianity, they, they, they separate those two. We, in the, in the Methodist Church and in a lot of traditions, we baptize by water and the Spirit. And that's how we talk about it. But finally, on Pentecost, though, these 3,000 Jews came to Jesus, right? Jews just like the 120 disciples. But this time, this time Peter preached, for the first time, Gentiles came to believe in Jesus. Non-Jews came to believe in Jesus and were baptized. And so today our story is, is sometimes referred to as the Pentecost for the Gentiles when the Holy Spirit was poured out on non-Jews. They began to speak in tongues and praise the Lord. It's a second Pentecost, another Pentecost. But in a way, that's been the story of Acts for the last 10 chapters Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit empowering the disciples to fill Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven. This is what he says in the book of Acts. Just before he leaves them, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the what? Earth. The ends of the earth. That's what, this is the last thing Jesus says in the book of Acts before he ascends into heaven. And that's exactly what happens ever since that first Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. So I was thinking about this idea of a second Pentecost and I, and, and I realized like I wouldn't call what happened to Peter 
and the Gentiles a second Pentecost, if we're going to use that, right, if we use Pentecost to talk about what happened, not the calendar day, but just that the Holy Spirit came, if we use Pentecost to refer to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a group of people that you normally wouldn't think the Spirit would pour out upon, then the book of Acts is full of other Pentecost moments. It's literally Pentecost after Pentecost after another Pentecost each one continuing the work of inviting more and more people to the table, just like Jesus talked about when he told the parable of the prodigal son. I mean, check this out. In Acts 2, that's when Pentecost happens in Acts 2. But in Acts 2 through 5, we hear stories of the disciples beginning to witness in Jerusalem, just as Jesus called them to do. They're healing the sick. They're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Jews of that city. And the Holy Spirit is continually poured out all across Jerusalem, other Pentecosts in Jerusalem, right? This is getting under the skin of the Pharisees and the other church leaders, though, because remember, the early disciples, they're still observing their Jewish faith. And so in chapter 6 of Acts, Stephen, y'all remember Stephen? Stephen is arrested. And in chapter 7, Stephen preaches the gospel in front of the high priest and his council. It's a beautiful, passionate sermon, and he's preaching, and he's prophesying just like the prophets of old, and just like those prophets, he challenges the leaders, accusing them of being circumcised in their bodies, but not in their hearts. Change your hearts. And Stephen is stoned. And Paul, we read, goes on a rampage, and the early Christians are scattered in fear. They flee from Jerusalem, spreading out all through Judea and Samaria, but the Holy Spirit goes with them, pouring out upon people, just like Jesus said, in all Judea and in all Samaria, another Pentecost after another Pentecost. And that's when Philip preaches the gospel to people in the city of Samaria. He heals them, casts out demons, now, Samaritans, if you didn't know, they're, they're citizens. It used, Samaria used to be the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. And they were Jews of a different sort. You might remember the woman at the well saying, the Samaritan woman saying to Jesus, well, we worship on a different mountain. They worship not in Jerusalem, but they still worshiped in that tradition that they had inherited as tribes of Israel, as sons of Israel and their, and their sons and daughters. Jews of a different sort. There are still Samaritan Jews living today, considered part of the Jewish body as a whole. Philip's witnessing leads his Samaritans to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And John and Peter show up. They lay hands on him. They witnessed Jesus witnessing to the woman at the well. And so they too, they touch what before would have been the untouchable to a Jew, a Samaritan and to lay hands on a Samaritan, and the Holy Spirit pours out on these people that previously Judeans would do everything to avoid. And it's another Pentecost. John and Peter, they continue to witness in Samaria, but Philip, he's whisked away by the Spirit to another encounter, this time with an Ethiopian eunuch. The the eunuch's been worshiping in Jerusalem. He's even reading a copy of Isaiah, which means that guy has some money. Right? You didn't have a copy of Scripture back then unless you were somebody. He's been worshiping in Jerusalem, and now because he's a eunuch, by the way, this man is unclean. Leviticus and Deuteronomy tell us that he would not be allowed inside the temple. His would be a faith life lived on the outside, the outskirts. Whether you were born that way or made that way, the Bible says eunuchs could not worship because they were unclean. 
But Philip, by the way, or the eunuch, is reading Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, by the way, in chapter 56, speaks of a day when the temple will be opened to all those who find themselves on the outside. Isaiah says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And so Philip witnesses to the eunuch who sees water and asks, what's to keep me from, that's my favorite moment. I see water. What's to keep me from being baptized? And what's the answer? Nothing. Nothing is to keep this man who was kept from the temple from being baptized. And so Philip baptizes him and the Holy Spirit is poured out and it's another Pentecost. And then Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, he's breathing murder against the disciples and he falls on the road to Damascus. He meets Jesus and is blinded and he's led to the disciple Ananias. Saul comes to Jesus. Ananias lays hands on him and Saul regains his sight and is baptized. The Holy Spirit is poured out on a Pharisee. The Holy Spirit is poured out on a man who was breathing out murder on Jesus's friends and family. It's another Pentecost. And it continued. The Spirit was poured out on Jews in Lydda and Jews in Joppa. Another Pentecost after another Pentecost until Peter was summoned to Caesarea. Caesarea was the Gentile capital in Judea, named after Caesar, right? It was the base of operations for the Gentile occupation of Judea. Peter had a vision telling him that nothing God has made clean should we call unclean. Eat with the Gentiles, Peter. Witness to the Gentiles, Peter. Witness to Cornelius, who's a centurion, a Roman, a leader in the Roman occupying forces. Witness to Cornelius, and so Peter does. This is awesome. This is Peter's sermon, right? It's not long because he gets interrupted. This is his sermon. I truly understand, he says, that God shows no partiality But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with it. What did they eat? Fish. Someone remember my Sunday school answer I taught you, right? (laughs) who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And the Spirit says, No, the Spirit says stop talking, actually, is what the Spirit did, right? (laughs) Because the Spirit 
interrupted. But amen, well said, and then I'm going to do my work. Yeah, no, the Spirit interrupts Peter. He poured, the Spirit pours out upon Cornelius and the rest of this Gentile household pours out for the first time on non-Jewish people. And Peter asks, like the Ethiopian eunuch, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And the answer is no. And so Cornelius and his entire household are baptized. The Holy Spirit is poured out. It's another Pentecost. And it doesn't stop there. Not by a long shot. The rest of Scripture, from Acts through the epistles, tells of disciples making disciples across Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to all the nations. The Spirit is being poured out person after person after person that just a short while ago, nobody would have imagined that the Holy Spirit would have touched those persons. Person after person was being invited to a table when they weren't even invited into the temple. People whose bodies were considered too unclean, too impure to be permitted in the temple, becoming temples themselves, carrying the Holy Spirit across the globe until the book of Revelation tells us that every knee shall bow and we will all worship together in the new Jerusalem, gathered together at a wedding feast. So what began with the few, the humble, the 120 Jewish disciples who walked with Jesus, what began with them holed up in a room in Jerusalem has become, through the power of the Holy Spirit, poured out again and again. It's become a movement of Christians across the known world, a global body of Christ, His church. You see, the Holy Spirit didn't stop pouring out on the first Pentecost. 10 days after Jesus ascended to the Father and 50 days after he rose from the dead. No, the Spirit continued to pour out again and again on believer after believer, and the Holy Spirit didn't stop pouring out after it was poured out on the ones that Jesus said, hey, wait for the Spirit. No, the Spirit continued to pour out, and this is what I love about Scripture. It continued to pour out on less likely and less likely and less likely people less and less likely converts to the way of Jesus, less and less likely believers. The Spirit moved from that one room in Jerusalem to the entire city, to all of Judea, to all of Samaria, and to Gentiles the world over. And the Spirit, friends, is still moving. Which begs the question, why aren't we, Christians, moving like we used to? like the Spirit calls us to. You know, why do we limit the work of God in our lives? So often we limit God in our lives to this room, to one room, right? That only happened for 10 days, and then the Spirit went crazy, but it's like we've been trying to put God and the Spirit back into a room ever since. Why do we come to church to do our Jesus stuff? Why do we come to this room to encounter the Holy Spirit? And I pray at least once every now and again you come expecting to encounter the Holy Spirit. Why do we expect, anticipate, or even trust that we might encounter the Holy Spirit out there? Why don't we carry the Holy Spirit out there? Why don't we witness to the nations? Why don't we witness to our neighbors? Why don't we believe that the Holy Spirit might actually cut us off mid-sentence? 
and pour out upon the person to whom we're speaking. And why do we still create lists of people that we don't believe deserve the Holy Spirit? Why do we continue to act as if God shows partiality? Because that's not what Jesus preached, and that's not what Peter preached to Cornelius. And the Spirit was so excited by what Peter was preaching, he's like, I couldn't wait. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's just do this thing. Right? Don't even wait till they get baptized. I'm coming. I like what you're saying, Peter. And why do we continue to act as if we are the judge of who's in and who's out? Because that's not what Peter preached to Cornelius. No, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people, us to testify that he is the one ordained by God as, who's the judge? Jesus, as judge of the living and the dead. We preach, we testify, Jesus will do the judging. Why do we act as if we don't believe that there would ever be another Pentecost? Why do we act as if the first Pentecost never happened, much less the second or the third or the hundredth or the million Pentecosts that have happened in people's lives since Cornelius experienced the Gentile Pentecost? Because when we do that, I think we do say, I don't think it's ever going to happen again. That's a story in a book. The Spirit isn't coming. I mean, we can put some construction paper on our heads, but that's about it. That another Pentecost might come, that God might do a new thing in our lives, that the Holy Spirit might actually be poured out upon us, even today, in this room, empowering us to testify to the nations and to our neighbors that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. That's a big word, everyone because it even includes us. <laughs> when there are days when we don't think that it should, when we write ourselves off that list of who can and who can't, that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name, that there might indeed be a second Pentecost, maybe even in here. So I'm going to ask you now to, to cry out with me, to shout out with me, come Holy Spirit, come. You got that? Four words, I think, right? Did I do math? Yes, I did math. Come, Holy Spirit, come. All right, one, two, three. Come, Holy Spirit, come. If we're online, you can type it. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Why don't you stand up like you think it might happen? Come, you might just fall out if you come up, right? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. How about this? What if we sang together and believed it? Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. Amen? You see, that song was born of another Pentecost. That's Charles Wesley. Method us, we, the, these people, were born because a group of college kids wanted the Spirit, believed that there might be another Pentecost. And one of those college kids wrote a song to a bar tune, because I guess that's what they knew, and about, about this, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name to all the earth 
abroad. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. Amen? Amen. All right, you can sit down. Unless you don't want to, but you can sit down. Unless the Spirit's in you, but you can sit down. (laughs) You can sit down. 